0: Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of Chiefs Focus 1st and 10. We're here with JP and Caleb, and we got a special guest on. we got Charles Goldman on. USA Today, the man. What's up, brother? How's it going, guys? How you doing? I'm,
1: you know, just not bad, not bad. Just uh, excited for uh,
0: Titans week, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. How you doing, Caleb?
2: I'm doing good, man good glad happy to be here another great podcast ready to go you doing all
0: right man i'm doing good man just uh i am uh ready for this game i know that i'm ready for this game and uh i'm gonna let charles i'm gonna give charles some time here i just want to mimic some things i've seen on twitter today and then i want to want to hear your guys' uh aspect on this I've seen some guys say you know, we're going to have to really put a you know stop on Derrick Henry. And, you know, this has been the big topic of conversation Derrick Henry. Like Derek and, you know, I understand we haven't had a, a good, you know, we haven't been able to stop the run for the most part, but we haven't had that for three four years, for even longer, yeah, you know, since we've lost DJ. Um Regardless, uh, we helped them to, what, 64 yards, I think it was, and that last, was it that last game you played against them yeah i think it was somewhere around 64 yards in that range and we had a horrid pass rush and run def- run defense and um i think you know with their defense being in a pretty bad position right now and the fact that you know we can you know if we stop derrick henry we have an opportunity to beat them without mm-hmm. fail What's your guys' opinion on that?
1: You know, I I'm I'm going to jump in. I he, Derek Henry is going to get his yards right. Like, I don't think there's anything you can really do to quote unquote stop him or slow him down. I mean, the guy's like a freight train. He's six foot three, two hundred fifty pounds. He's as big as like the biggest linebacker that the Chiefs probably have. So, I, yeah. I mean, it, it, you yeah, you're just not going to stop him. And uh, I think. The, the idea is probably you got to limit the damage, right? You can't let him bust off like a 75 yard run, right? You got to make sure that like, okay, if he's getting, you know, if he's, he's getting gainers on the ground, it's going to be, you know, three, four, five yards and, and nothing more. And, um, and, and then, you, you know, off of that, you've got to make sure that you stay disciplined for the play action pass, because that's really where they're going to try to kill you is when, you know, your linebackers getting sucked up into the the center of the defense. And and then all of a sudden, you know, he pulls the ball out of Henry's gut and throws a strike to Julio Jones or A.J. Brown, one of those big receivers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think uh, the linebackers aren't going to have to be focused so much on stopping Derrick Henry so much as containing him and making sure that they don't get beat. Uh, in the middle of the field with those those play action passes yeah
2: I got yeah. that makes sense Charles I've got a quick question for you sorry JP I didn't mean to interrupt you but no. do you think they should have possibly faster linebackers out there such as Dorian or Daniel to take the position of Hitchens or Neiman because if they're going to do the play action pass you're going to need a quick linebacker to try to jump those routes like what are your thoughts Right.
1: Uh, I, I mean, as much as I'd like to see Dorian out there more frequently, I, I think that ship's probably sailed for, for Kansas City. I mean, they mm-hmm. they used him like very sparingly. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say it was against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I think mm-hmm. they used him on a couple snaps and he was fantastic. They're playing the quarterback spy role. I, I don't think that Tannehill is going to take off uh, and, and run a whole bunch in this one. I think they're going to keep it to, to Henry in that play-action passing game. But um i don't know daniel i mean he's he's small he's pretty tiny so yeah he is fast but like he's gonna be a liability out there if you have him out there trying to tackle somebody like derrick henry so Mm -hmm. i'm thinking that you know they they want speed on the field and they're gonna get that in willie gay jr and and nick bolton i know a lot of people have been kind of down on bolton's coverage but i think he's probably done you know an okay job uh he's He's not like the greatest athlete out there. Like, obviously, he's not gonna, you're not gonna match him up one and one on in coverage against some of these guys that that he'll be facing in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I think he's done a serviceable job, and I think, I mean, I think there's a chance that he has, you know, in the preseason he had a couple of coverage drops uh, during training camp where he picked off Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's going to get a pick this week. Like it's just a matter of time yeah. before he he has one of those zone coverage drops where he's like in the right spot, at the right time. And I feel like it's going to be this week with that play action passing game where he's going to just have that, that, that perfect snap where he's in the right place at the right time.
0: I agree with you there. I think, you know, Nick being in his first season, and I think he's really shown tremendous growth, you know, in six weeks and agreed. He's not, I've never had a bad thing to say about him. I think he's just grown week after week. And I think he's just going to continue to grow. I think he was a bright spot and he's going to continue to be. And you're right, he is going to find that that magic moment. And when he does, you know, everybody's probably going to get off of him a little bit off of his back, or I should say off of his back, I should say. But he's been um, in my opinion, he's played very well being thrown into a position that, you know, not a lot of guys can just get thrown into. And succeed, I should say, That's as fair. well as he has. Um, you know, we've we ran it on this show and prior to the season about Thornhill and about Sorensen and the situation that, and we know some of that situation in the background, but we don't have to get into that right now. But we ran it about a situation with that uh, being said. And it was proven last week that it should have happened. You know, really week three after what went on week two. But seeing the difference between having a Sorensen start and a Thornhill start and the uplift that it, it gave Matthew and it gave really everyone else, and the fact that Willie Gay came back.
1: Mm. What
0: are your thoughts moving forward with having Thornhill out there in that position more often as a starter? And, and being, you know, with what he, what he proved, I mean, what he proved, we knew he proved it his rookie season, you know, him and Matthew played very well together and he did a great job and we know the injury took him out a little bit, but it's, it was almost an eye opener for, I guess, maybe the coaching staff, but it wasn't so much for everybody else that knew what he had, but what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Uh, You know, I think he still has a little bit to prove, right? I don't think it's, um, it's by any means like said and done there. I think that, that he's still going to be chasing improvement every week and trying to get comfortable and back to where he was that rookie season. I don't think he's back there yet. Um, I think he's shown flashes that he can still be that player, but, but there's still yet to be something to click uh, for Thornhill to, to kind of get him to where he was um, that, that rookie year. And, you know, that's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm glad that he's out there uh that he's doing that. And look, I, with, with the whole Sorensen thing um, you know, I, I think that uh, y- yes, this was kind of overdue, so to speak, there's going to be a point this season where the chiefs need Dan Sorensen, Right. And I yeah. think him like taking this step back I think that's going to be like important for him when that moment comes Mm -hmm. Uh, because one, it's going to allow him to work, you know, reflect and work on his own game, but two, it's going to allow him to kind of step into these different roles, right? He was playing some more of that dime linebacker position that they They kind of have used him at uh, over the the course of the season. And and I think that's going to help him with a couple of things he's been struggling with. It's going to help him with the tackling, you know, he was leading the league and missed tackles. I think he's probably, I think after this game, he's either tied for it or like second now, Um, but he's, he's doing a better job there. Um, And and then I I think, you know, allowing to play on special teams where he's been, um, you know, uh, in the past, he's made some really good plays for us uh key plays i mean you look back to the that play the sniffing out the um uh the fake uh, against the houston texans in the 2019 playoff run mm-hmm. you know um stuff like that i think that they'll be able to to find a role for Sorensen where where he's better utilized and uh, can be an asset to the team as opposed to you know when he was out there playing free safety he was a liability
2: Yes, yeah, no, I agree with you, Charles. I think uh, one thing I've kind of noticed is Spags was kind of using him into the extent how Bob Sutton was using him. And just hear me out; I might sound a little crazy, but this is kind of how I saw it. When Eric Berry tore his Achilles, I think the week one of the twenty seventeen season, Dirty Dan took over his position and he played everything, and he didn't do that great. We had that switch though when it came to Dan Sorensen. Whenever Thornhill um, um, was out, they had Dan come in. And Dan, I think Dan is good in spurts, but for to give him a elongated task, it's just not going to work out. I mean, Tyron Matthew shouldn't have to throw up his hands all the time every game, and be like, "Where was? Where were you?" That's another busted coverage. I mean, seeing him different like that, it just shows me shows me that Sorensen is great and he can help in certain situations. But there's different things that could be done or to help him. So maybe bring him on a third down. Maybe bring him a second down pressure up the middle. I mean, there's different things you can do. But I think just to completely bench him, I don't think that's not what they're going to do. But put him in positions that's going to make him succeed. What do you have, JP?
0: I agree. I mean, he, you know, he's a very utilizable player. It's just, it's, a, it's a situational thing. You, you have to put him in situational positions that he can be utilized. And again, third down, you know, agreed. Like Charles said, he's done very well in spurts. He did great sniffing out, and sometimes that is blind luck. I mean, you're you're in the right place at the right time, and you just end up the ball ends up in your hand. That does happen. I'm not saying uh, you know against uh, in that playoff game that's what happened, but that has happened in the past with Dan. And I've noticed, and I'll ask Charles this because you and I have talked about this in the past. I've talked to a lot of players over the years, and the one thing that I've noticed with him is he reacts before he thinks. And I know there's a fine line between those two things, especially in the safety cornerback position, but you have to, the reaction time and, and the, the time that you, or I guess read, I, I guess, let me reword that. He reacts before he reads and you have to be able to read the play, read the player, read the quarterback, read everything you need to read and react almost simultaneous, simultaneously. And he, he tends to react quicker than he does anything else. And that's why a lot of times he whiffs tackles because he's just ready to jump and run before he actually reads what's going on with that play. And that tends to cause issues. Um, It obviously you whiff tackles, you miss everything. And it's almost like you're not there. And the one excuse that I couldn't handle that spags threw out there was, and I, you may have heard this, Charles, I don't know if he did or didn't, but in one of the pressers spags said, well, you don't know, you know, a lot of people aren't seeing what he's doing when the play is not on his side of the field. Well, honestly, that doesn't really make a bit of difference. If the ball's on the opposite side of the field and the play is on the opposite side of the field, it really makes no difference what he's doing. Okay, it's great, but that's fantastic. He blocks somebody when the play is not near him, but it's what's in front of him is what really matters and what he's reading in front of him when the ball's in front of him. And that's what I think gets to me the most is that he just doesn't, He doesn't think before he reacts. And I know there's a fine line between the two. I I mean, I stood on that field and listened to so many players over the years say that. What's your opinion on that?
1: I don't know. I, I I don't want to assume that, that I know what's going on in his head or what his responsibility is from play to play, but I I will, I do know this is, you know, instincts in the game of football, sometimes they can betray you. Right. Yes. Uh, And we saw that on, um, you know, if, for instance, uh, I think it was the touchdown that he gave up or, or the long reception, uh, I guess, against, uh, what was it, the, the, the Bills? Bills? Yeah, Bills. Uh, where, where he kind of like anticipated like an out or something and he took like a false step and then next thing you know, he's burnt. He doesn't have the athleticism, the, the speed to catch up to that. And, um, you know, I, it, it, it happens with guys. It's going to happen. Like there are going to be plays that they're just going to get beat on because, you know. Your it, your instinct tells you, oh, hey, this is what's going to happen, and, and I think I mean that's kind of the beauty of the game of football, right? You're not going to win every snap, you're not going to win every down, um, but it 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 gets to, it got to a point with uh, with Sorensen, right? It got to a, a pretty big point with them where you know it it was happening too frequently, and uh, I, I think you know that's the key there. I mean, him taking that step back he's going to have a chance to kind of build up some of that confidence again and get himself back to the point where, mm-hmm. Hey, if God forbid, one Thornhill gets dinged up in a game and Sorensen has to be the guy to step in, he's going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, I, I just think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get into like, assuming that I know what, what, you know, what he's thinking or doing on any, any given play. But um, I, I, I do know that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, a guy's heart's in the right place. I know that oh, he, without you know, fail. Yeah, yeah. He, he bleeds, uh, you know, uh, red and yellow, and wants to, uh, you know, be out there and, and playing for his teammates. And I think this is probably really hard for him to take that step back. But at the same time, I think at the end of the day, it's going to make him better. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. And I agree. And I, and I, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't so much, a, uh, it wasn't an assumption of what's in his head. I think it was just more of a watching film and seeing, how he reacts and when i slow the film down it seems like he reacts so quickly versus him reading the play that it it almost tends and it happens so often that it almost to me it seems like that's what happens and that's why i bring it up so often because it seems to me that that's what he's doing um and and you could
1: very well be right i mean i (laughs) i don't watch as much film as i used to guys i wish i did uh it's just you know i i'm (laughs) busy editing and writing and whatnot but, uh... I'm a
0: film geek, man. I am. I, I am. I'm a film geek. I I I'm kind of. I got a problem with it. I I watch film over and over and over again, especially when we're having struggles in certain areas, and and I want to see what it is. And and Caleb will tell you. I spent the better part of 14 years with the Chiefs, kind of like on the field, and with some friends of mine that played back in the day, and and I got to listen to a lot of coaches and a lot of players and a lot of lingo that I didn't understand, coming from a baseball background, and I I learned it, and then to watch it and see it unfold. And I, by no means, do I know everything or even close to even thinking I know everything about football. Cause I don't, things have changed so much. I'm, I'm way older than both of you guys. I'm probably, I'm probably older than both of you guys, but together, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know how old you are, but I know I'm, I got two, I got, I got I'm twice the age of Caleb. So it's not a little more, but um, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, when you watch it so many times and you see it happen, it's, it's similar to like what's been going on with Pat, with Patrick, you know, when they threw him into this pocket passer situation, um, I got trashed on Twitter. I did. I mentioned it numerous times on the show and after, especially after week two and I want your take on this. And I I know Caleb's take on it and I've gotten, uh, I had some criticism about it. And then actually afterwards, everybody kind of agreed, but um. You know, they wanted him to learn pocket presence, which who wouldn't want to learn pocket presence uh, as a quarterback in this league? But it seemed to me after week two that that's all he was doing. It was 90 plus percent of the time he stood in the pocket. He moved forward, he moved backwards. He got sacked, he got hit, he got pressured. And it just continued on week after week after week. And I've seen him get hit more this year then I think he's been hit all last year. It, 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 I mean, if you really look at it, it kind of seems that way anyway. I mean, it's probably not true, but it looks that way. And his passes have been off. He's never thrown balls in the dirt like he's thrown. He's never thrown this type of, inter, you know, this many interceptions and it's, especially never lost in September. He's never thrown an interception in September. He's not one, but let's just talk about how many he threw in September. And then it bled on to the month of October. And it never really ended until the second half of the Washington game. And from what I understand, things were said in the locker room. And I know that to be true. Uh, He came out with a different aspect and a different mindset. He played absolutely the way he played his prior three seasons. And the entire game changed. And not just the game, but everybody's mentality changed. From offense to defense to special teams, everybody's mentality changed, including the way he played the game. There was no more balls in the dirt. There was no more crazy mistakes. There was no, no I mean, that mistake, he when he threw that ball, that trash interception in the air, that was totally on him. Because he was trying way too hard oh, yeah. to do something that he shouldn't have had to do because he was standing in the pocket, waiting too long, not moving around like he normally moves to get the hell out of the way and that's just not his game it's never been his game it's not what has made him Patrick Mahomes okay it's not it's not what has earned him the face of the league and we've seen it for you know five and a half weeks what it's done to his game what you know the media talk and everything else that's happened yeah a lot of those interceptions were mistakes on the receivers and uh, a lot of them are his fault. I mean, but I attribute a lot of that to his him not playing the style of football he's used to, or he's played in the past. What yeah. are your takes on that? I, I can
1: I can see that. Uh, at the same time, I think there's a balance between all of it, right? Uh, yeah, the the pocket passing and him being yeah. able to kind of do what he wants. but I, I, I think the key thing here is that they they started making the change kind of, you know, this last week the switch to from, uh, Nyang to Remmers, um, mm-hmm. uh, because they, they were recognizing that he wasn't comfortable, uh, specifically, you know, when he, he, he has the, you know, tendency to kind of, you know, move to his right when he gets pressured, Correct. uh, to, to move to the right side there. And that's Nyang side. And, uh, I think that having Remmers in there, gives him better confidence that he can do that and then, you know, make a play. Um, But, but I think you're seeing that now kind of that the coaching staff's adjusting, making the decision, Hey, like what are some of the things that we can do to make sure that Pat's more comfortable in there? Um, so I think we're going to see that. And and, I mean, it should have been that obviously from the get-go, but you know, he, you got to kind of adjust as the season goes, you never know what to expect. He could have been, you know, fine and comfortable starting out in that first week. And then, you know, things change the next couple of weeks you have to adjust, but, um, I, I, I do think it's interesting with the interceptions. I mean, I, I was just writing, I think three of them, you can basically attribute to receivers. I mean, hit them in the hands, mm-hmm. they popped it yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one yeah. of them, that last one, the most recent one, the last game with Tyreek, he fell getting out of his break and he was late, you know, getting his hands on the ball, popped it up defender. I mean, that's just bad luck, right? Like yeah. some of these, yeah. you attribute to bad luck and right now what's he sitting at like six interceptions, I seven, think? eight, seven, eight. Oh no. Is it, it eight?
0: Yeah, he's oh, at I eight. thought it was seven, but yeah, oh, I maybe mean, it is thing.
1: eight. Well, yeah. whatever.
0: You you take away, you know,
1: those three, and it's a, a little bit more of a palatable number. But but then, you know, obviously, he's got the, I, I call them frustration throws, right? Yeah. One where he was targeting Kelsey. I don't remember what game it was, but he just hurled the thing. I think it was towards the end of the half or something, and, you know, a defender uh-huh. catches it. And then you know the one last week where it was just awful. Like he shouldn't have thrown the ball. Should have lived yeah. to fight another down. Uh, yeah. I think it was a first down play too. Which like you you have yeah. to have the sense and know that like hey I can take a stack here right
0: yeah
1: um or or you know uh, you have the ability to throw it away if if you can you can't just toss it up the way he did but. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I like to consider him frustration throws because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. is, he wants to be able to to push the ball down the field and do these things. And teams have figured out, hey, we're going to play this two deep shell and and take it away and, you know, force them to dink and dunk the ball down the field and that is obviously causing frustration the performance of the defense is causing frustration him thinking and feeling the pressure like hey i've got to score every time i touch the ball because my defense isn't going to come through i think after this past week that that aspect of it's probably going to be alleviated because now he's like wait i have an example like i know these guys can come through for me i just got to believe in them um and, and you know, I think you know the guy is kind of rallying around Mahomes the there in the locker room, telling him, "Hey, you, you be you. Like we, we trust you, we believe in you. You're fucking Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you yeah, know, like,
0: exactly. like, yeah,
1: like that type of thing." I think it kind of it, it did give him a bit of a reset where he was like, "Yeah, I am. I am Patrick Mahomes, right? I can go out there and do these things." And um, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I think you know, I wrote in my morning after column that you know that the belief that these guys believing in each other is what brought them back in this last game and, and brought them back, you know, maybe in the past before too, like, you know, they're, they're down and out in every single one of those playoff games and the, and the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Super Bowl run They you know, they, they could have easily have given up or started pointing fingers doing that, but they always believed in each other yeah. and that helped them, you know, kind of push through those, uh, you know, various, uh, deficits that they faced and i know uh, something
0: was said in the locker room too from pat himself uh, out of frustration in that halftime um at halftime in that washington game and and um that was an eye-opener for the coaching staff as well and i know that to be true and i think they didn't expect that to come out of him but when he did it the coaching staff didn't have a whole lot to say and in fact i don't think they said anything from what i understand And uh, the wide receivers and the offensive line and pretty much everyone else just said, fuck yeah, you know, that's what I want to hear. We believe in you, you go be you, and let's just do this thing. Mm -hmm. And when they came back out, they were back to who they used to be. It looked a
2: lot better at the end of the day. That was the one thing I've noticed.
0: Yeah. And, 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 again, I don't think they expected that from him. But, again, you know, he's not that guy. You know, he's just not the guy to come out and really get to the frustration point that he was at. And I think it took a while for him because he believes in his coaches and he believes in what they tell him. And he does, for the most part, you know, he follows the chain and and he's not that guy. He's not an I'm not going to slam Aaron Rodgers, but he's not an Aaron Rodgers and wants to tell everybody what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And, you know, everything else he wants to, you know, he knows people know more than he does about the game of football. He's just good at it. so he's great at it so he, he he wants to believe in that but in the same aspect he knows what his abilities are and he knows that this wasn't working for him you know you what I had always what I had preached during this was that if you're going to make him a pot or want him to learn the pocket presence then ease him into it gradually ease him into it, especially with a brand new offensive line you got to kind of ease him into it you just don't throw a guy into something that he's never really done and make him stay there you know i right. just say you know here stay right here move forward move backwards but don't do anything else just stay right here you know it and just doesn't the- work for a guy like him what do you yeah, think, the, Caleb? Thing,
2: the thing is that patrick mahomes is not Peyton manny or tom brady he has no. some speed we've seen him pull off runs i mean charles has seen him have the run against the titans we've all seen that where he has some speed so he can do different things. If you let him play his game and let him move around, he is most deadly when he's out of the pocket. That is when Mahomes is most deadly because you saw in the game last week, he made those across the body throws that were across the field. Tyreek Hill does his thing, makes the defender juke, the bench goes crazy. I mean, Mahomes has those, he has that wow factor that lets you know it does not matter if it's 3rd and I can get us 16 to 18 yards and we can get to a fourth and two if need be. So there's different things that can happen. It just shows you overall that this team is built for him. And I think one thing we kind of noticed is that whenever they were kind of doing that old offensive style where he just stays in the pocket, they weren't used to used to it. I've yeah. never seen Mahomes throw so many more balls in the dirt than what we've seen the first five weeks of the season. I was very confused. And, Charles, I do I know you said you haven't got to watch a lot of film, but maybe you saw that. But i never seen him really throw balls in the dirt. I've seen him maybe, okay, a screen here doesn't work, or an overthrow. That's kind of the extent or drop pass. But to see just balls in the dirt, it was like kind of a wow. Like, they got to figure something out. But when you're looking over everything as a whole, it just kind of shows that this team, I think, kind of has found their strive and what's going to end up happening is they're going to play against a tough team like the Titans. They're going to have to stop Derrick Henry. Like Charles said, they're going to have to stop the play action pass. And if you can't do that, it's going to be a long, long day. But, Charles, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts on this. We have seen several free agents get cut. Several players get cut by their teams. And Brett Veach has not been able to sign them. What are your thoughts? Do you think that Veach should bring some more defensive help? Or do you think maybe they should wait for the deadline? Just kind of what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I know for a fact that they're they're looking. I mean, yes. they're exploring. Uh, they they signed the fellow, former draft pick uh, from the, the Raiders. I think he's a 2018 fourth round pick. Uh, yeah. I'm forgetting his name off the top I forgot of my his head. name too. Uh, uh, Shalit yeah. Shale- Calhoun, right? Yes. So yes. I, I think they knew they weren't going to land um, uh, Merciless, um, you know, and I think that's why they went out and got Cal- Calhoun on the practice squad. Uh, from from my understanding, it looks like they 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 want like a situational guy who they can have and come in uh, and have him as like maybe like a stand up rusher uh, as opposed to a hand in the dirt guy. So um, I think that's the role that they're kind of envisioning for for Calhoun to possibly. You know, they've they've uh, already elevated Damone Harris twice from mm-hmm. the practice squad. So unless he's a COVID elevation now, they can't they can't promote him uh, from the practice squad. So. They have to kind of bring other guys in, you know, potentially to to come in, and if they have injuries or, or issues there uh, later in the season. So uh, I know they're looking; they're still looking there. They're still looking for more defensive help. I know that they uh, have been rumored as uh, interested in you know potential uh, trade for uh, for uh, Marlon Mack, the running back with the Indianapolis Colts. I personally don't think that one's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't expect that one to happen. I, I think it was one of those things where, you know, Brett Veach saw the injury to uh, Clyde Edwards' lair, didn't quite know what the timeline was, and simply reached out to his buddy uh, over there in Indy and Chris Ballard and was like, hey, what's it going to take to get this guy? And I don't think yeah. it got past anything more than that. I don't think it's going to be anything more than that, given that we know Clyde is expected back after uh, the Giants game. Uh, however, I do know that they're they're sniffing around some different uh, some different positions on the defensive side of the ball yes. with uh, with Hitchens with his injury right now. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. heard that they're looking at the linebacker position. Um, so I, I'm uh, I'm not sure where that's going to go or uh, you know who they're really looking at. I don't think you know earlier in the season. I know they were talking about um, the the fella in. Uh, uh, with Arizona uh, Hicks, who's, uh, yeah. who is unhappy with his role, but now that Arizona's, you know, winning football, he doesn't want to get out of there. So, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of, you know, uh, one of those things where it's going to be probably more about availability than anything else. And uh, I think, you know, if, if a guy were to become available, like say Reggie Ragland, someone who has played in this defense before, I think that's probably where they would go. Uh, In terms of linebacker position, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to explore a couple of different guys at the defensive end spot. You got to remember, remember here with the trade deadline coming up, the Chiefs don't have a lot of money. Um, And, you know, if they're going to go after like a big guy, like a big name guy, um, they're going to have to either restructure their contract or or extend their contract and add some void years and eat some Mm -hmm. cap money down the line. Or they're going to have to figure something out with Tyron Matthew or Tyree Kill or one of these guys, get them extended to create some cap space because they really don't have many ways right now to create salary cap. Mm -hmm. So you look at, um, you know, some of the contracts that they could, you know, maybe get rid of and the the best one, right? would be trading like laurent duvernay tardif you can maybe yes. create like 2.75 million cap space yeah uh, it, you have to eat like a 2.5 million dead hit but that's okay when you're gaining back that that 2.75 and the problem there of course is that laurent has the no trade clause uh, when he restructured his contract uh yes. I believe it was in what 2020 uh when he opted out or whatever um so it it he has to be the one to make that call. He has to be like, okay, I, I want to go somewhere and potentially have a better opportunity to play. Um, and, and they have to find like the right situation to make that happen. And uh, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. I mean, that like I said, that would be the ideal uh, to be able to free up that space and then you know make a trade with, with that team to acquire a player or make a trade with a different team to acquire a player. Um, but the Chiefs have to be careful, right? a player for player trade would be ideal uh, because they wouldn't have to spend future draft capital. They're going to have to rebuild, you know, a lot of this team moving forward. They obviously, the defense isn't where they would hoped it would have been to start this season. And they're going to get some improvement from those younger players, but uh, they're, they have a lot of free agents that they're going to have to account for these next, uh, next year, uh, year plus. So uh, they need as many draft picks as they can get. And um, I, I think that, you know, surrendering draft capital for anything short of a sure thing or someone that's going to contribute to your team for a long time uh, beyond just the end of the season, it's a big risk. And I don't think it's one that you can really take if you're Brett Veach, knowing that, okay, like we lost some games that we probably should have won early on in the season. Uh, so it, there's, there's a balance to that. There's something he's got to figure out and that he's got to find out, um, you know, how far he's willing to go with that. Uh, but I think these next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting uh, as far as, you know, uh, the the trade deadline and potential free agents who, you know, guys who get cut around that time of year, um, how that all uh, works out.
2: Yeah, Charles. I mean, you bring up a really, really, really good point. I don't know why they got rid of Reggie Ragland in the first place. I don't know why. I remember he signed with Detroit. Now he's with the Giants, but seriously, he's a good linebacker. I think we could, should have because he was able to plug the holes and get hits. I don't know what was the reason behind that, but I was like, look, Reggie's a good player. He's a really good, he can hit the hole. That's different from how that really have him, honestly, over Neiman right now. I know, obviously, Reggie probably isn't the great in coverage, but neither is Neiman and some of these other guys. We need guys that can hit the hole and get to the running back. And I think Reggie was really helpful for this team when we won the Super Bowl when he was able to do that.
0: Yeah, he definitely hey, was.
1: I think that Reggie would be a good acquisition. There are probably some other guys out there who are familiar with, uh, you know, this type of defense and, and whatnot, but, uh, I know they can fit Reggie's contract if they can, you know, convince a team like the giants to, to give him up. Um, it's only a one-year deal. So I don't know if they would, you know, be willing to re-sign him or what, but, but I think, you know, having a guy like that in there would really help, uh linebacker core if a guy like hitch is going to be out for a long time and yeah. from from my understanding he has a nerve injury in his elbow he i does. know yeah i know that andy reed uh called it a uh like a some sort of contusion or something uh triceps contusion but uh from from my understanding it is like a nerve injury some sort of ul- ulnar nerve uh in the elbow there and that uh you know potentially it, some guys can play through it some guys can let it heal naturally uh, but others are gonna have surgery on it. yeah which, some
0: require surgery on it. yeah so
1: I, I, I'm not really sure where he falls in that, but uh, you know I mean that's an important player. someone that the chiefs have relied on for a long time, not just uh, his ability to call the defense but his veteran presence uh, out there in the locker room, a guy that a lot of people really respect. So that he's gonna be missed. Uh, I'm excited to see what the linebacker group looks like though, with, uh, kind of Hitchens and gay, uh, Hitchens, gay, excuse me, Bolton and gay, uh, getting more action perhaps
0: than they've really had all season. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, they came close. They, they actually made an offer on Whitney Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, that was a, it was actually a very strange situation how that played out, but, um,
1: my understanding, at least uh, for for Merciless, is that, I mean, he he wanted to come to Kansas City. Um, you know, a lot of people, Jeff Allen, a lot, a lot of people reach out to him. Some of his former teammates, uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, reach out to him, made him pitch. Chiefs also obviously, you know, reached out to his reps. But it came down to the fact that he he's played in the 3-4 basically his whole career. And uh, he wanted to get back to a team that would let him, you know, play in the scheme that he's most familiar with. He, he this is really his first year playing as a four, three hand in the dirt, uh, defensive end. And, you know, you could see that, that he was having some adjustments, some struggles doing that. So, you know, going to a team like the green Bay Packers, one, it's going to allow you to, to play that position, but two, I mean, they've got, uh, Smith and they've got, uh, rivers, uh, on, on injured reserve right now. And then the, the other fellow, uh, Preston Smith, he's yeah. also injured. So the, the Smith Bros, both of them are injured. So he's going to have an opportunity to go in there and, and like start right away.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: with Kansas city, he would have been purely rotational situational yeah. type of guy. So, I mean, between his role and, uh, and, you know, uh, potentially a money situation as well. And then, you know, the scheme, it, it was just a better fit for him to go to green Bay. Uh, yeah. There and, was a,
0: there was a couple other factors that were involved with that too. And I think, you know, it's understandable why he went there. I mean, I get it that there was another thing that was brought up to me from uh, somebody that I deal with. And they had said that, you know, his, his camp had thought, you know, you got to look at off ASC versus NFC, and he wants a ring. He wants a championship. Looking at Green Bay right now, and the caliber of quarterbacks and teams in the NFC, they convinced him that you know, looking at the AFC right now, there's a plethora of quarterbacks and decent teams in the AFC. That you know, right. the AFC is wide open. Right. Yeah, you know, it's wide open right now, and the NFC is really not. And in their mindset, they thought that. Rodgers was the only guy in the NFC that could really put Brady in the ground and really not to, not to say that Rodgers is really ever beating, but it's the fact that there, you know, there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFC right now or teams in the NFC for that matter, that are a real powerhouse team. Right. And really, um, there's only
1: three that I can see, right? Arizona, yes, exactly. Arizona,
0: Green Bay and Tampa. Uh, and
1: that's, that's it. And the Rams. And the Rams. And the Rams. Yeah. And, and the, Rams, are, and the, the Rams, Rams. And the Rams. Rams, yeah. Rams, Rams, and the Rams.
0: Rams. So, but you've got, you know, you've got so many teams in the AFC right now and it's so wide open that, and this guy's not young. So it's not a situation that, you know, he's got so many years left and if he gets injured, you know, God forbid he does, but if he gets injured, then it's over with and he doesn't have a shot either way. But, uh, there was a few things that went along with that, that, you know, changed everybody. And, And Brett Veach is a different guy. You know, he's changed the way he, um, approaches players and, um, Uh, the way he approaches signing people and he's not going to go chasing anyone Um, that changed with the Arizona deal a while back with Patrick Peterson and you know when he was in his I guess quote-unquote rookie season as a GM right um, it happened twice to him and um, Arizona's not you know that guy kind of I can never remember his name that GM out there Um, but uh, Steve Kime yeah um, that didn't work out real well and yeah. they're not an easy team to deal with. And especially, well, especially for beach anyway. And uh, at that time it didn't work out very well for him. And so he's kind of a his approach, you know, he puts a timeline out there and if you want to play for us, you play for us. If you don't, you don't. And if you don't show up, you don't show up, but you know, it's on you and that's right. just kind of how it works out. So, um, you know, there's more, there as he looks at it, there's, there's, there's more fish in the sea and I'll find who I need and who will fit in the scheme. And, you know, it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And you're right. There are players out there right now that he is definitely looking at and there's teams. Um, I'm not going to mention who they are. Cause I hate doing that. It just seems to always bite us in the ass when it happens. Um, but um, there are definitely a couple of teams that he's been working with. Um, we might see a familiar face show up in Kansas city next week. Um, we can't do it this week. And I will go as far as to say a bye week, kind of protect certain people but um or protects players but uh we may see a familiar face show up we don't know yet but that is something to keep an eye on too as well but um I would love to see Reggie Raglan back that would be great we don't know if that can happen or not but um it would be great to see him back in the lineup and back on the 53 I mean he did a great job for us um I think to answer your question Caleb I think And I'll ask you, Charles, I mean, you probably know as well. I mean, it it probably boiled down to money. I mean, when it all comes down to it, you know, it's a matter of, you know, you got guys that are young on rookie contracts and you got a guy that is not and is getting paid. So you put your eggs and you you put your hopes in a a guy and, and it's what we and we it's worked out for us to some degree. You know we've got a lot of guys on our team that are were on rookie contracts that played extremely well, turned out to be phenomenal players, and we didn't have to pay them a lot, and it's helped us in so many different ways. And it was a trade that may have not have worked out, or I I guess a release I should say, that may not have worked out so well. But um, now they're probably wishing they had him back. But again, I think it might have just boiled down to money when it all said and done. What do you think, Charles?
1: with reggie yeah 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 i think that you know it was just one of those things where uh they they had invested some uh draft capital and money and and players at the position and you know they wanted to go a different route yeah um you know and and yeah it boiled down to opportunity and money really at, at the end of the day uh, I think Reggie kind of felt that he was probably a better fit in a three, four, cause that's what he played in for you know most of his career. And yeah, when the chiefs went out and got him, we were three, four defense. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's uh, it, again, it has to do with money. It has to do with fit for, for most of these situations. And uh, yeah, I feel like the chiefs do a pretty good job of, of managing that. And yeah, I think, you know, it, the hindsight game is always tough to play with when you let, know some of these guys go and you know i think yeah for instance with like a guy like justin houston i think you know at the end of the day would you rather have him now would you rather have a guy like clark it's you know uh it's obviously you're gonna say you want a guy like justin because he's still producing and
0: and clark's not but um yeah, that was a totally different situation, though. I mean, that right. was so hard. I mean, how are you going to keep? You know, you right. had three guys that were taking up forty-three million, forty-five million dollars of your cap space in one season. Well, right, what are you right. going to do at that point? You know, I mean, you had to do what you had to do. And at that point, Justin had come off what a couple of seasons where he was injured and yeah, he wasn't know, doing much. He just well, wasn't then, doing a whole lot, and you know, know they hand him twenty-one million. So
1: I, I think one of the things that was kind of underrated too was like. uh, that, that story about Justin Hamilton, the defensive tackle, the kid, you know, who was like yeah. signed from the practice squad, having to like motivate Justin to, yeah. to like yeah. go out there and perform. I think like that, that was a big thing too, right? Because they, they wanted attitude, they wanted like leadership, they wanted some mm. of these guys to step up when they weren't necessarily doing it. Yeah. Um, so I think that was that was kind of tough. And that was something where they were like, okay, this guy has got attitude. He can, he's got swagger. He can get us over the hump. Um, and and I, ultimately I feel like he did, but you know, now when he's falling off, you're like, well, kind of wish I had the other guy still don't I, for the production, but yeah, like I said, it's a hindsight thing. And, you know, you can't necessarily predict how those, uh, how the cards are going to fall, uh, in those types of scenarios. And, uh, You know, I I think Veach gets a lot of flack for some of the decisions that he's made. Um, But I I think you got to still kind of let things play out and and that there's still, you know, a lot of season, a lot of time for some of these guys to flip the script and kind of prove their worth uh, a little bit more than they've been able to so far.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and, and here, look, you know, there was a lot of frustration in that defensive locker room when Sutton was here. I mean, and that was on uh, with Houston, with everybody. I mean, it was a three scheme defense that everybody was irritated with. You got, you know, Hitchens chasing down Amari Cooper. You got Justin Houston rolling all over the place. You got, it was just a, it was a mess. And there was a ton of frustration in that locker room, especially towards the end. And that was probably part of Houston's motivational issues was the fact that he was just fed up and, you know, it, it, I think he, you know, as far as Sutton was concerned, I think he was here a couple, maybe a year or two too long. And that's just Andy and him being loyal. And that's, you know, it is what it is. It's great to be loyal, but sometimes I think with Andy's almost loyal to a fault, you know, especially, with, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it just I, is what it is, but. Yeah,
1: I get it. I, I mean, I, I thought he should have been gone after that Colts game. Um, yep. Me too. <laughs> exactly. Playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the, that was the end of the line for me. I was out Bob Sutton back then. Yeah. Yeah. A funny Bob Sutton story. So Robert Rimson, um, who used to be a contributor at chief's wire. Now he's at uh, Fox four, Kansas City's There's one of their sports producers. Mm He, (laughs) he, He used to write a column for us uh, every week in 2018 called Bob Sutton's hot where he would basically measure based on the, the game performance the previous week, how hot Bob Sutton's seat was. And um, so we go to the combine later that year uh, and we're sitting recording a podcast episode or, or I think we were, yeah, we were recording a podcast episode and Sutton had been obviously fired after the season and, um, and he gets a job as a senior defensive assistant with the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Yeah. We're
1: we're sitting in the hallway, and uh, Bob just walks by us. And he turns and he sees us both and he just gives us this death glare. Like I I was convinced that he was going to come over and just lay hands on me and Robert. And I was like, I, 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 I've never had somebody look at me like that in my life. I felt, I felt a little bad in the moment, but, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, man, this is on you. You can't can't blame, but can't blame. No, no, he can't blame
0: no one. (laughs) So that's funny. uh, yeah, he, he can't blame uh, anyone but himself on that though. I mean, he just, right. you know, this Ben don't break bullshit that he came up with. I mean, that was, yeah, I don't care if they get five, 600 yards on us, just keep them out of the end zone. I mean, your defense can only handle so much and, you know, I mean, leaving him on the field like he did and putting them through what he put them through was just madness. I mean, absolute madness. And yeah. uh, you know, you can't blame any player for being pissed off because they, right. they live through some hell. I mean, yeah, he pure was, hell. He was, he was a little
1: stubborn. He was set in his ways. I mean, he you listen. I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he, he did the background, you know, uh, at, at army, um, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and college ball and, you know, that's, you, you got that kind of military mindset and that's what I'm told he kind of brought to the NFL and yeah, it was a little, didn't, didn't quite work all the time. <laughs> no, yeah, not at that's all.
2: True. Not yeah. At all. But, but uh, real quick, Charles, I know you have to go pretty soon. What are your thoughts on this next game and what do you, what is your final score prediction? Oh, man! I don't know uh, if you wrote anything yet, but I'm kind of <laughs> curious. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it, I actually was getting ready to for my behind enemy lines with the uh, Titans wire to write my prediction up. I hadn't written it up yet. I think this is going to be a closer game than people expect. I think uh, it's probably going to be like a three-point game come down to a long kick. I think it's going to be pretty back and forth. Um, I, I do think that, you know, it's going to come down to the defense getting like a stop, right? Mm. Um, I think that they're going to get in a situation where like, you know, offense is wearing down, uh, and, and, you know, there's going to be like, a you know, third and two or something where like, clearly they're going to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. And it's like, all right, can we get like a a one or two yard loss on the play to force a punt instead of having them go for it on, on fourth down. And I think that, that it's going to come down to that. They're going to have to make that type of play. And, and, yeah, I, I think that they're up for it after this next week. I think this last game kind of invigorated the defense. And I think that the offense uh, is going to have some favorable matchups in the receiving game with all the injuries that Titans have in the secondary. One note that uh, I think will be interesting this game obviously, Travis Kelsey's playing through something he's been limited uh, with a neck injury. Uh, he spoke to the media today, said he's going to be full go, but uh, the Titans, you know, they haven't faced great uh, tight ends all season. However, uh, they have allowed the least yards in the NFL mm. to a tight end so far this season. So okay. um, that, that'll be something to watch, see if uh, Travis Kelsey can can kind of bust out and, and have a good performance there. Um, I do think that this is going to be the game that, that we see uh, Josh Gordon get going.
0: Yes, I think, I'm I think hoping so.
1: I think they're going to scheme some things up for him this week just to get one, him feeling comfortable and two, Mahomes feeling comfortable with him. Um, So I think, you know, whether it's some quick passes or some screens or just some things designed to to get him open, get the ball into his hands. um, I think we're going to see a little bit of that. And then, you know, I think we might even see like the shot play down the field because there were I mean, I don't know if you guys – you say you're a film buff. I, I looked at all of his snaps uh, from, from last week, yeah. and I think he had five snaps where he in run blocking. He had, like, two, like, quick, like, inside, like, slant-type yes, routes. And then he had two, like, deep routes, and, and he was open on both the deep shots. Both, but,
0: both deep shots. He was yeah, wide open.
1: And Mahomes couldn't get to him. Either he had pressure or, you know, he went a different way with his read. But Hey, did you notice,
0: though, um, on both of those open – shots Mahomes was in the pocket and he was pressured on both of them right right and and,
1: you know that's yeah again it's uh it's tough you know uh I I think that you know he's diced some people up some defenses up from the pocket so I think that again I think there's balance there um and you know I think both times uh Gordon was on the left side so you know rolling to your left and throwing to your left it's kind of tough yeah um But you know, I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I I think that, that Gordon can really get going and, and be a boon for this offense. Uh, kind of this next game, and and if he can build from this game, I think that that,
2: that would be really important. Hmm. So yeah. what, what do you what you so you don't have a score prediction? You just think the Chiefs uh, are gonna win?
1: Yeah, I'll say like uh, let's do like a 37-34 Chiefs. Okay. Okay. It's
2: not bad. What do you think, JP?
0: Uh, you know i I always seem to give us a ten point lead on every game and i i I don't know why because we haven't really done that in a while other than the Eagles I guess it was and uh and I guess really washington to a degree but i I have a feeling he's right it's gonna be a closer game. I think the defense is still gonna hold, and i think I think they've they're reeling from last week, so I am gonna give him a little bit more cushion or a little bit more praise this week. And I think it. I think, it, I think it's going to be a 38, I think it's going to be a 38, 28 win for the Chiefs.
2: Okay. Yeah, nice. I game. think the Chiefs, I think this is going to be a 33, 24 game. I think the Chiefs can pull it out, but I think what's going to happen is Derek Henry might get one, you know, a couple happen here and there, but I think kind of it comes down to Mahomes has been doing the dagger this season, putting the nail in the coffin on their final offensive drive. So I think that's kind of where we're looking at so far for the future. But yeah, yeah, but thank you, Charles. We appreciate you coming on. Well, where can the people follow you in them? See all your work.
1: Well, before I get into that, I have one question for you. Oh, go
2: yeah, go ahead. What, yeah, man. What if,
1: what if the opposite happens this week? What, what changes if the Chiefs drop this game, right? Because they'll have lost at that point to Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, Los Angeles Chargers. Now the Tennessee Titans, you're like 0-4 against like the powerhouse team, so to speak, in, in the AFC. I mean, it, it, does that change the outlook of this team
0: and the season, you think? In my opinion, I mean, it does. The, Sorry, go ahead, Caleb.
2: Go, no, go ahead, JP. You're good.
0: No, I, I think it does. I think it's going to change a lot of things as far as the outlook of not so much the offense. Well, I, I take that back. It will to a degree. It's going to change the outlook of a lot of things. It's going to change the outlook of how they've utilized Mahomes this season. I think how they've utilized um, the other receivers that they have and, you know, relying on Hill and Kelsey as much as they have, even though they've been blanketed so much. And I also believe that it really is going to make a difference on the defensive side of the ball. Not only prior mistakes as far as scheme, positioning, players and putting those players rotation in and out, but who we're going to have to acquire moving forward. Because this is not the team that we have been, you know, Charles, you saw it with everybody else. We progressed as a defense after, you know, when we got rid of Sutton, brought in Spags, we were still ranked dead last. We progressively moved up 27th. 24th, 17th, 13th, ended up, I think, sixth overall or seventh overall that season. And then we ended up, I think, 16th or 17th overall. And then we just went and took this tank nosedive to dead last in almost every category and on defense for the first five, six weeks of the season. And that has there. And it's it's really not a lot of difference on the defensive side of the ball, other than injury. You know what I'm saying? It's not. Yep. I mean, it's not like we we've, we've not changed a whole lot of things. We've had injuries. Well, you know, I think
1: got, one of the big glaring ones, right, is Chris Jones. And his Chris Jones, exactly. Yeah. Moving
0: to defensive end, that was huge. I mean, and now he's going back to the inside this week, which is huge. He needs to be on the inside, and I think that experiment's over. But,
1: yeah. um. Well, I'll, I'll raise another interesting question, right, with, with that is because Jones, he he dropped some weight this offseason to yeah. play on the edge. Is he going to yeah. be as effect, effective on the inside at his current playing weight? I, I don't know. <laughs> right. I think that's that's a strange thing. We're going to we're going to have to see that, you know, if he moves there and is more of an every down player there.
0: Well, I think it'd be, you know, if anything, you lost weight and you may have gained muscle. That might be a good thing. You know, you never know. Maybe. So, you know, it, it, can, it can go both directions. What do you think, Caleb?
2: I think when it comes down to it, if they lose, they the whole t- staff, every, there has to be reflection and egos need to be put aside and changes need to be made. And we need to let players play who they've just been letting sit from what we had on our last podcast and I forgot who our guest was, unfortunately my bad, but it seemed like, no, actually it was Harold Koontz. It basically kind of seemed that showed that, Spags was doing everyone in a tier list and like, you can do that, but there's sometimes in a situation like you're playing on Madden, the guy who may be 66 overall is going to be able to stop a Julio doing a quick slant just because of the speed. So, I mean, I know that's a different comparison, but you got to get out of that. Okay. Sorns is here. Thornhill's hills here. Watson's here. I'm like, look, you need to maybe move the depth Soren's chart mindset. In. Yeah. You got to move that around and make it better. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, they just got to play mistake free football and keep doing their thing keep playing like they did in the second half because it's going to make everything a lot better for them.
0: That's the biggest thing. And, and he's right. I mean, you know, you can't just base it off a depth chart. And that's the one thing that Spags does is he, he doesn't feel like that because this player may be better suited for this particular offense that we're going against. He doesn't think that maybe I should just switch the depth chart up because of this. And that's something that you can't do. You have to play your players that are suited against who you're going against and if you know they're going to be better the depth you know this isn't 1998 this isn't 2005 this is 2021 you have to change with the times and it just is what it is you've got to play your players that are suited to who you're going against and whether they're fifth on your depth chart or first on your depth chart it, it, it makes no difference if they're going to be great against that who you're going against then play that player it is what it is. You know, if you need somebody's speed, you need somebody with strength, you need somebody, whatever the case may be, you need that person out there. And we, that's been proven this year. I mean, it's, 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 it's not just with our team. It's with a lot of teams. It's with every team. Mm-hmm. What was your next one, Charles? You said you had something else.
1: Yeah. I
0: I, I totally. <laughs> <had> <laughs> brain for You're
2: good.
0: You're You're good, good, man. <laughs> But, uh,
1: and yeah, it's been great talking with you guys. Yeah, uh, man, appreciate we it. We appreciate dude. it. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. thanks for coming on, man.
2: Yeah, thank yeah, you. Where can kind of people follow you?
0: Oh, you absolutely. Uh, you can check out.
1: Yeah, you can check out all <laughs> of uh, all of our writing over at at ChiefsWire.usaToday.com. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at GoldMCTNFL. You can follow the website uh, at the ChiefsWire. Uh, on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Chiefs Wire. And uh, check us out. We we also do a podcast every week, uh, the Chiefswire podcast. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. We're out there. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I again, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, look forward to uh, doing it again here in the future.
0: Sounds good, yeah. man. We appreciate Thanks you coming on. Yeah, we
2: appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Excellent, excellent.
2: All right, brother.
0: All right, guys. Well, enjoy the game Sunday, man
1: yeah hey hey I, I wish uh i wish I could enjoy it in person but you know yeah. it's a little no, tough it, it little is tough these days uh to, to do that i'm always writing and whatnot
0: and gotta get the yeah. stories out in the middle of the game and what have you yeah so. well, believe me we know <laughs> it is tough <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. hard it's very difficult it is all right man well we really right. appreciate you coming on bro
1: excellent you guys take care have a good one
0: right. you too, Thank man. you too charles all right. Well, it was nice to have him on, man. Um, nice to hear his insight. Uh, he had a lot, of good, um, a lot of good insight on everything, really. What's your uh, final thoughts here, man?
2: I just think, man, we just got to see what the Chiefs can do. I think the defense is going to show up, and I think there could be some intensity, and they're going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. And when it comes down to it, they have to stop A.J. Brown as well because you don't know what he's going to do. Julio is out. But the offense has to play mistake free football and for them to go ahead and win. So I think Julio's
0: out this. too. I didn't see that.
2: Well, I, he has a hamstring injury and Julio hasn't been the best health wise. So I think it's possible he's going back on a play.
0: Well, their defense is de- just decimated right now. So they got a lot of injuries on defense, especially last week. It looked like it, it seemed like every other play somebody was injured. Yeah. Every other play, mm-hmm. somebody was down and out. So um And I think they actually, if I'm not mistaken, they lost an offensive lineman too, so. um, That wouldn't
2: surprise me. They're having a lot of injury issues so far.
0: Yeah, so we'll just see it to see what happens, man. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot better game than people anticipate. And I'm hoping that we see what we've seen prior to, you know, really honestly, prior to week two to week Mm 5 And week five and a half, <laughs> and yeah. we, you know, we see what happened, in, you know, during Washington, I just hope that same intensity comes out, and everybody just brings it on. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, man, uh, another great show, and I appreciate it. And um, no
2: problem, man. Thank you. Another great one.
0: Another great show. Hey, you guys, the uh, giveaway ends in three days. I think it's the twenty-first. Am I right? Yes.
2: No, it's the twenty. It's, it's tomorrow. Actually, it ends tomorrow. God, yeah, geez, I was thinking yeah, the twenty-fourth. It ends tomorrow.
0: Yeah. So you guys got until tomorrow to get your, um, get your entries in. Uh, I want to thank everybody for the follows, the retweets and keep following us. Cause we've got a lot more giveaways coming. We've got a lot more content coming and um, we're getting ready to launch a couple more things. Hopefully we can get some more stuff launched really quick. We're pushing for that hopefully by next week. And uh, with that being said, everybody have a great weekend and uh, we will see you on Sunday.
2: See you Peace next time, Kingdom. Thank you.